For years, I've been saying the Heisman Trophy is the most useless trophy in sports, and I'll tell you why. Considering the hype and discussion surrounding the award each and every year, winning the Stiff Arm Trophy doesn't mean anything when it comes to future success in the NFL. And aside from that fact, I care more about winning a national championship than I do about winning an individual trophy. Out of the 81 players who have won the Heisman, 35 of them have gone on to make at least one Pro Bowl. So statistically, Heisman Trophy winners have about a 43% chance at becoming an all-star in the NFL, a less than 50-50 shot. And when it comes to winning a national championship, Heisman winners have an 18% chance at capturing college football's greatest prize. 15 players have won the Heisman Trophy as well as a national title. And since the BCS era began, Heisman winners are 6-7 and seven when playing in national championship or playoff games. Josh Heupel, Vince Young, and Deshaun Watson each don't have a Heisman Trophy, but they have a national championship ring. Go ahead and ask those guys what they think of the Heisman. So with all of that in mind, I'm trying not to get too upset over the latest Heisman odds, according to Bavada. Going into this past weekend, Saquon Barkley was favored at plus 175. Baker Mayfield was second at plus 300. Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, and Sam Darnold were in third, all tied for third at plus 700. Sure, the numbers are skewed at the moment because of Barkley's fantastic game in week four against Iowa, where he accumulated 358 total yards, which is objectively ridiculous. Combine that performance with OU's way-too-close-for-comfort 49-41 win over Baylor, and it makes sense that Barkley has surged ahead of Baker Mayfield in the odds department. But although it does make sense right now, it doesn't make sense overall. If Mayfield continues to play at this high of a level and OU continues to win games, then he should run away and hide with this award. Mayfield saw the Ohio State defense in Columbus and had an incredible amounts of success against that defense. Let's just say I'm skeptical that Barkley will have the same kind of success against the Buckeyes in Columbus on October the 28th. But you know what? In an effort to stay ideologically consistent, I'm just going to make it clear that I'm much more interested in seeing Baker Mayfield and the Sooners win the national championship. With that, I'll just move on to the I'll just move on to the show because after all, the Heisman Trophy is the most useless award in sports. I'm Lee Benson and this is West of Everest. Perkins number 28 very dangerous. Stands back on the 45-yard line. Fielded at midfield. One to beat. Fossil. Put it on the board, folks. OU has just scored again. Hit me once out of bounds, but try to catch me in open field. And it is a 51-yard return for a touchdown. And now the Sooners are opening up a huge lead. Welcome into this post bye week edition of West of Everest. We go with Antonio Perkins returning a punt for a touchdown in the Rose Bowl back on January the 1st, 2003. I'll explain why we use that clip here in a second. 
I am Lee Benson, as I mentioned in the opening. I'm a sports mobile journalist at KWTV News 9 in Oklahoma City. I get to talk about the Sooners for a living and go to all the OU games for free. Those are the perks of the gig. However, the less glamorous side of the job, boxing out fellow media members for a decent shot with the camera when we're trying to interview Baker Mayfield, he's very popular, and also staying at work past 1 a.m. when you have to archive all that video, all those shots of Mayfield throwing passes, usually of the touchdown variety, to Oklahoma Sooners. It's not fun. Anyways, today I am joined as always by my, by my brother Grant, a huge OU fan who lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Grant, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I know our listeners probably don't care, but I saw that your Gophers, they finally lost on Saturday for the first time. How about that? Yeah, Lee, they did not row the boat. For the duration of the game on Saturday, that's for sure. They were um, kind of embarrassed on defense by Maryland's third-string quarterback. How about that? Their third-string quarterback. Maryland, of course, beat Texas uh, about a month ago and uh, went on the road and beat my Gophers, too. So, oh, well, I, a lot of people here in Minneapolis were, were shocked by that outcome. I certainly was not. They're, uh, <laughs> they're just, they, they just don't have a ton of really good players. So, I mean... Any, any sort of loss to a major conference team shouldn't be much of a shock to, to this fan base, but they're, they're kind of weird, so whatever. So we use Antonio Perkins returning the punt for a touchdown in the Rose Bowl all those years ago, and I, I, think, I think you know why we use that for the, the intro of the show today. Do you want to explain it? Well, uh, Lee, Washington State uh, looks like had the most consequential win of, uh, of week five of the college football season. On Friday night, they beat USC 30-27, to I believe, was the score, Lee. Um, that, uh, that Rose Bowl game, January 1st, 2003, capping off the 2002 season, the Sooners destroyed the Washington State Cougars. I believe the Sooners went into that game as underdogs, too destroyed the Washington Cougars. A very, uh, a very oft-forgotten bowl game, I feel like, amongst uh, the Sooner fan base. Perhaps, yeah, and it was just, it's so cool, though. It, you shouldn't forget it because it's OU playing in the Rose Bowl, which obviously doesn't happen because that's not where a Big 12 team is supposed to play. So, yeah, I was. We're, we're, we're giving Washington State some, some love here, even though we're playing a, a soundbite of them getting their doors blown off by the Sooners. For younger Sooner fans who haven't who, who haven't seen that game, go go on YouTube and watch watch highlights of that game. That was that was a a very old-fashioned just dominating OU performance. Washington State went into that game with a high-powered offense and just got absolutely dominated by the uh by the 2002 OU defense. It's it's a fun game to watch highlights of just because of the pageantry, the atmosphere of the Rose Bowl and just seeing your Sooners in it was cool. It was one of those things where I wish I could have appreciated it more. I, I was a little young when that game happened. So so I wasn't able to appreciate it more. I'm not sure if we're ever going to see the Sooners in the Rose Bowl again um, unless it's a unless it's a college football playoff game. So Grant, this is the first Monday show we've had in a while without an OU football game to talk about. RIP bye week. So the plan for this show is we're going to do something that we haven't done before on West of Everest. I, I went through OU's media availability from this past week, and I found some sound bites from, from Lincoln Riley, mostly from Lincoln Riley, and one piece of audio from Baker Mayfield that I found to be kind of interesting. And we're going to play those sound bites, and then you and I are going to react and discuss what we think about what it means or what those sound bites kind of mean moving forward in the season. So... To start off, we're going to go with the head ball coach and just some background information. Of course, OU was on the bye this past week. Lincoln Riley said that he gave 
the team Friday, Saturday, and Sunday off, so it was nice for the guys to get a chance to go home if they could, rest up, and also it gave the coaches a chance to go out and get some recruiting done this past week, and we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. But first, we're going to play a soundbite from Lincoln Riley on the bye week, and he was asked before he answered this question whether or not it was good or bad to go into the bye week after playing a game like they played against Baylor where it was a lot closer than a lot of people expected and he started the soundbite by saying that he he didn't he wasn't sure if, if it really was a good thing because of that but then here is what the rest of the soundbite included I think regardless of whether you're coming off a loss or a, a, you know a tough win or a, you know a blowout whatever it is you've got to you got to be motivated in the bye week and I think it's about each individual team and the approach to bye week like we're going to be on cruise control and just get through it so we get to the next game week or do you approach it with the mentality that hey we have to get better right now and uh based on what i've seen so far this week that's been the mentality of our team so grant you just heard lincoln riley talk about the bye week do you like what you heard there from head uh, the head coach yeah i mean yeah it, it uh, part of it does seem just like pretty pretty cliched coach speak um of course, he's not going to come out and say, "Oh yeah, bye week." We're just we're just not gonna we're not gonna give a crap for a week, and we're just gonna give it you know give it off to the players and, and whatever. So I, I think what you're seeing there is just is mostly just regular coach speak. But it, it is good to see that uh, you know hopefully he's been preaching just that mentality, the attitude over the course of the bye week that it's not necessarily or or it it is a week where we can rest uh, physically, um, but it's it's not a week where we where we're resting. Uh, mentally so it's a week where we need to all, we, we still need to be locked in how can we get better in that department of the game um so so yeah i, I think it's just regular coach speak I, I don't necessarily think there's a ton to look into it but it is nice to see that he is having that mentality and that attitude going into the bye week nice to see lincoln rally has the coach speak down pat i mean going going into his first bye week of his head coaching career and he had that that answer ready to go and yeah i think you're certainly correct it, it is it is coach speak. Of course, he wants the team to get better right now. And it's good to know that the team menta- uh, mentally was looking like they, they had that mentality going, going into the week. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, again, I, I didn't have this at the start of the soundbite because he was asked whether or not it was good to go into the bye week after a game like that Baylor game. And, and he said he kind of brushed it off. He didn't really say yes or no. Uh, I, actually, I, I, if I remember correctly, he did say no. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily good and then he went on to to say what we heard in that soundbite but honestly I this is just my opinion I I think it it is a good thing to go into a bye week after a game like Baylor because it provides a little bit of uh, a teaching moment for Oklahoma after they had played so well the first first few games and they can look back at that film and, and it humbled the Sooners a little bit which I think is very important but also I got to say after what we saw this past Saturday I wonder if Lincoln Riley and the rest of the coaching staff feels a little bit better about that Baylor game because of how well the Bears played in Manhattan against Kansas State. As we said last week, Grant, in the weeks before, Baylor's not a terrible football team, and it's it could be one of those things where we look back at the end of the season and think it's a good thing Oklahoma played Baylor when Oklahoma played the Bears because Baylor, I mean, they're not going to win a bunch of games, obviously, they're 0-5, but I think Baylor's going to turn into be a, a pretty solid Big 12 team, and it's not going to be a, a, a bye week for whoever's playing them like maybe people assumed it would be in the first few weeks when they were losing to FCS teams. Yeah, they're not Kansas. I, I think that that's pretty safe to say now. <laughs> um, so, And I think this year you know, you're seeing a lot of improvement in the bottom half of the Big 12 sans Kansas. 
Um, so everyone knows that, that Iowa State's going to be a tough out just because they have uh, they have some talent at the skill positions, and you know their their quarterback has some arm talent. And you know B- Baylor did prove they can at least complete the forward pass with some sort of uh, you know some sort of regularity against Oklahoma. So I'm assuming they'll be able to do that against some other teams in the Big Twelve. Um, they they really were actually kind of shut down by Kansas State um, on Saturday for the most part. I think they they had less than 100 yards of offense at halftime. Um, so that that did give me some pause and, and kind of concerned me a little bit um, in regards to OU's defense. But it, it's it's it still is really early. Um, college football is, is is a static game. You never really know what you're going to get from week to week. On to our second soundbite of the show, and this one's going to be from Baker Mayfield, the Oklahoma starting quarterback, and it's more talk about the bye week. And I thought I thought this soundbite was was pretty interesting, and we'll talk about it here in a moment after we listen to what Mayfield had to say. For me, it's it's realizing you know I look back on the film and, and, and do this type of stuff. It's and I think the biggest improvement I've made now the third year being here is you know, after the bye week. Um, and so Coach Riley and I talked about that is going back to the basics uh, and doing my job. And so I've made huge jumps after after the bye week, and I, I think we have the team uh, as well. But uh, so I'm trying to stress that same mentality with myself and the others. So that was Baker Mayfield talking about his improvements after the bye week and it's worth pointing out that during Mayfield's time here at Oklahoma the only game the Sooners have lost that took place later in the year after the bye week was the loss to Clemson in the college football playoff back in 2015 so when he says that he is looking back and he thinks that he's gotten better after the bye week during his time here at Oklahoma he's 100% correct yeah yeah have you noticed? Have you noticed I, that? I, I don't know if I've if I've noticed it from bye week to bye week over the course of the season. What I noticed from from what Baker said there is it just kind of harkens back to what what Lincoln Riley said in the in the first clip he played, which means that he is preaching that to his team, which he's made that he's made it an emphasis. Um, so when he comes out to the media and he says, I, "I hope our guys are focusing on just getting better during the bye week," you can tell that 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 is something that's rubbed off on the team because his, the leader of his team is talking about it. Um, so I, I think that gives you kind of a little, you know, a, a bit of an inside look of, of what he's saying to the team, because, you know, that, none of that is by accident. You know, that, that's not a coincidence that Lincoln Riley says something and then, you know, and then Baker Mayfield actually echoes it, you know, when he's talking to the media as well. So I think that's the biggest takeaway from what I heard there. Um, in terms of Mayfield being, you know, being better after, bi- after the bye week, that's, you know, that, that's what you want, you know, from a, from a quarterback that's this is his fourth season starting in major college football. So I, I, I would hope that he's um, he's gotten better at that and he's he, he's carved out kind of a thing that works for him during the bye week. And, and I think, you know, based off of on field results, that's it, it's clear that, you know, he's just a good player in general. And so it doesn't surprise me at all if he's locked in during the bye week. And I got to say, Grant, very beginning of that soundbite we heard from Baker Mayfield, I always love to hear when players, especially the quarterback, talks about how they like to look back on film. Yeah. I know they watch film all the time, but it's always nice to hear it coming out of their mouths that they're, they're watching tape because you and I, we're, we love football, obviously, and, and one of the best parts of football is watching film and breaking things down and trying to decide how you can exploit other teams' weaknesses through watching film. And it's something that, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley and the rest of the coaching staff, they, they do, do that all the time. But you always kind of wonder how much the players do that because they're in college, they have classes, they have all these other things going on. It's not the NFL. So it's one of those things where I just kind of in my mind assume that Baker Mayfield watches a, a, a bunch of film. And I always like to hear 
players like him acknowledge that, yeah, I look back on the film and, and try to figure out what I'm doing wrong and try to get better. So that's always a good thing to hear. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just developing good habits. And, you know, those are habits that are, you know, going to follow him well into the NFL if he if he gets an opportunity there. So our third piece of third piece of audio will be back to Lincoln Riley. And I wanted to include this piece of audio because Riley's talking about a player that you and I thought would be the, the, the top dog this year as far as catching passes and leading the team and receiving. And he's had a good season so far, but, but Jeff Bidette has not led the team in receiving up to this point, although he is less than 100 yards away from, from uh, Mark Andrews and uh, C.D. Yeah, Lamb CD. behind Mark Andrews. Yeah. So anyways, it's, I thought this was interesting because of uh, think, something that Lincoln Riley says at the end of this soundbite, and after it plays, we will discuss. So here's Lincoln Riley talking about Jeff Bidette. He's getting better, you know. I, I think our our trust is growing in him uh, to to continue to be able to do more and more. We we knew he'd have the explosiveness. If he can get the consistency that that we have in mind for him, you know, it could get a lot better. There's no doubt. So uh, it, it's a process. You know, this bye week is a big week for him to to make some big strides and hopefully uh, be ready to do more. So Grant. That was Lincoln Riley talking about Jeff Bidette. I think it's interesting that Riley said that this bye week or this past bye week was a big week for Bidette to make some strides. I, it makes me wonder, what does he mean by that? Does he mean that Bidette is going to watch watch more tape? Uh, is he going to maybe get into his playbook more, learn the offense more since he is that, you know, he's a grad transfer from Kentucky? You know, I don't know. So I, I just thought that it was interesting that this bye week was big for Bidette, and I was trying to figure out what Lincoln Riley actually meant by that. I was wondering what if you had those same thoughts. I, I take it as I, I would guess that, you know, the reason why he hasn't been out there for every play is he, he's got to just still be learning the offense. I because he's, I, I think from a physical standpoint, he's clearly, you know, one of the three best guys out there in terms of the receiver position. Um, so, you know, and so he, he didn't get the benefit of, you know, of, of being here in the spring. He came in in the fall with, um, you know, with all the other freshmen. So he's only had, you know, about two months to be in this offense. And, you know, I'm sure he got a playbook before that. But, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, getting that down and, and the reps and the mental reps and knowing always where you have to be. So I, I take that for sure is that he's still just learning the offense. And maybe that they don't put him out there at all times just because they can't 100% trust him yet uh, just to actually be able to do everything that he's supposed to do, you know, according to that play. Uh, at least that's how I take it, because I think physically he's he's proven that he's he, he's a game breaking talent. He's a really good player physically. Yeah. And I think that makes sense that that he's still trying to absorb all of the intricacies of this offense, because as we can see on film, this Oklahoma offense is not like any other offense in the entire country. I mean, they ask Baker Mayfield to do a heck of a lot, but in turn, that'll ask the receivers and the running backs do a lot too, as well as the offensive line. So I'd like to like I'd like to picture during this bye week when they're they're not necessarily at practice or they have some time off. I like to picture Baker Mayfield getting with Jeff Bidette and CeeDee Lamb and Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown and and everybody and just all joining around and hey guys, let's let's watch some film. Let's figure this out. Let's get in the playbook. Let's let's really utilize this bye week to the, its full extent. So not sure if that's happening, but I like to think that it is. <laughs> I hope so. And, you know, I hope they, you know, they've, they've probably been doing that all off season too. You would think so with, you know, seven on seven stuff. So these, these guys know where they are. They know the moment they're, they're not dummies. They, they know what they have to do to succeed. Moving along, we'll talk once again about the injury situation at Oklahoma and our earlier podcasts last week during the bye week, we talked about this a little bit, but just uh, as a refresher, 
This past week, Lincoln Riley said that Jordan Thomas is fine, so Jordan Thomas should be good going forward. Riley also said that he's not sure yet on Curtis Bolton's status. He was banged up in that uh, Baylor game. Riley also said, and this is a direct quote from Lincoln Riley, we will get Will Johnson back for sure. That's great news. Another direct quote from Riley, pretty good shot. We'll get Robert Barnes back. This is all This is all for the Iowa State game, just to clarify. That's upcoming this upcoming this upcoming Saturday. Riley also said that Matt Romar is uncertain. And on the offensive side of the football, Riley did say that he anticipates that the Sooners will get Cody Ford back against Iowa State. So that's an injury update. And I'd like to hone in on one of those players that I just mentioned, and that is safety Will Johnson. And that's a player that you and I are really excited to see back on the field. And Lincoln Riley was asked about Will Johnson's status earlier last week because as we all know he's had he's had some issues with concussions in the past and we're not 100% sure if that's really what happened with Will Johnson has been confirmed even though we're all kind of assuming maybe that's what he's been dealing with but Lincoln Riley was asked how Will Johnson's kind of handled himself and how he's feeling right now and here's what Lincoln Riley had to say he's handled him well he's been he's actually you know been able to do quite a bit you know which has been good so I don't think that he's you know fallen off a lot from a conditioning standpoint or you know just mentally being ready to play so he, he's in a good place and, and if he wasn't then then we darn sure wouldn't put him out there so that was Lincoln Riley talking about safety Will Johnson and like I said a moment ago Grant you and I were excited to see Will Johnson back out there when he's been on the field this season it seems like the Sooners defense has been at its best although it is worth pointing out that the defensive unit did make make some nice plays and did make do without him for part of that Ohio State game. But I think Will Johnson's definitely an important piece of this defense. Yeah, for sure. And I think people uh, forget about the importance of Will Johnson all the time. Um, going back to 2015, his first year with the team, he was a he was an impact player on the defense playing nickelback. Um, his coming out party that season, of course, is when they went on the road um, to Kansas State and Manhattan the week after the Texas game where they lost. Um, and Will Johnson came out and made some really nice plays in that game. Uh, Will Johnson is just a really valuable player um, on the on, on a lot of that underneath stuff. Um, he's he, he's, a, he's a very good just sure tackler in space. Um, and that's never a bad thing, especially, you know, from the safety position. And and, and not, that, not that they've played poorly in his absence at his position. In fact, quite the contrary. In fact, the the, the people who have who've been backing up Houghton and uh, Barnes have have played well in his stead, but but Will Johnson, you know, he's he's just a really solid player, and I think he's um, he's probably a little more consistent um, just in pass coverage and, and tackling those, than those other two guys. So Johnson being back is just it, it, it's it's just going to add more depth to the secondary, and it's just it's just just good feelings all around, Lee. And further breaking down Riley's quote it kind of gives you an idea that it sounds like Johnson certainly isn't ailing physically as far as maybe his lower body or his upper body, because he does mention that he's been, he's been doing a lot and that he hasn't fallen off from conditioning. So that makes you think, Oh, well he's, he's been able to run. He's been able to stay in shape. So she's probably fine as far as his, his legs and knees and everything like that. So potentially it's, it's, it's kind of what we all expected. Maybe it was something to do with, with uh, up top, which is never a good thing. But uh, the fact that Lincoln Riley said that, if he wasn't in a good place, we darn sure wouldn't put him out there. It makes you think, okay, Will Johnson's fine, and let's hope that for the rest of the year he stays fine because he is such an important part of that defense, and it would be nice to see him play play the rest of the season, of course. Yeah, and I'm sure they're just being overly cautious with him. Um, he's good. had concussion. Yeah, he's had concussion issues in the past. 
um, there's no reason to force him out there just for his well-being also. Of course, of course, um, yes, yes. Yeah, so it's, and so I, I'm sure they're just being overly cautious and you know what, he's he's had a, he's going to have a solid four weeks off before, you know, he suits up for Iowa State, so that's a good thing. The final piece of sound we'll play today on West of Everest is another soundbite from Lincoln Riley, and this is a topic that you and I haven't talked much about at all on the show, mainly because we started this show at the end of August and it's football season. And when it comes to recruiting, you and I don't really like to talk about recruiting during the season because there's so much football, uh, the actual games to talk about. But when it comes to a bye week, of course, that's a time for the coaches to get out on the recruiting trail. And so this is Lincoln Riley talking about how he was going to approach recruiting this upcoming week, or I guess this past week during the bye week, along with his coaching staff. There's a lot of interest right now, you know, in Oklahoma football and a lot of guys, you know, a lot of great commits in the 18 class and some, some, you know, great early ones in the 19 class. A lot of guys that we want to go evaluate and see. And so uh, we're going to be spread out all over the country here for the next few days and it'll be good to get out and see them. So, again, Grant, this is the aspect of coaching that I don't usually think a whole lot about during the actual season. And the reason why is because I want the coaching staff 100% focused on the task at hand, which is Iowa State right now. But Riley admits, or he, he did admit that as he was the offensive coordinator, when he was the offensive coordinator, that he did not go out much to recruit during the season because Bob Stoops didn't want his coordinators out much during the season. And so now in his first time being a head coach this past week, Riley went out to go recruit this week and he, it's nice to, to, to hear him say that uh, he actually he didn't say this in the clip, but he also said during that availability that this was the only time during the entire regular season that he was going to be out on the recruiting trail. So his focus is mainly on games. But this past week, he, he, he got out on the recruiting trail and it was kind of cool to hear him say that there's a lot of interest in Oklahoma football right now. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, with, with Lincoln Riley, you know, when he became head coach in June, I, I think you've really just seen an uptick in, in a lot of the things that go into recruiting. It just seems like they're appealing to kids a lot more. And not to say that it, it did look like that Bob Stoops kind of got reinvigorated on the recruiting trail towards the end of his career, um, especially with this, um, you know, the, the hashtag Sooner Squad 17 class. And of course, so far, that class is proving to just be a, a spectacular class up to this point already. You've already had a lot of people um, Im- impact the games from that class already. Um, you know, Lee, I, I, I typically don't touch on recruiting a lot just because I think there's people out there who's it's, that's their main deal. Um, I, I just, I, I just don't know as much about it, um, as other people do. I, I, I tend to, to be just more of a on the field X's and O's guys and, and an OU football history guys. So I generally don't like to talk about a lot of stuff that I'm just not very privy to, especially with the recruiting. And, um, I, I, I I'm just not great at evaluating high school film to be honest with you so i i usually like to keep that uh, the recruiting stuff to other people but you know having been said that everyone everyone knows recruiting is the lifeblood of a, of a major college football program and i think we had touched on it um, earlier that you know kind of you know the 2012 through 2000 you know whatever seasons it, it did seem like their recruiting had taken a bit of a hit um, it seems like that's that's improving it's gotten better especially with this newest class coming in i know the 2018 class they got some um, some really good guys commit up to this point. They're a top 10 class right now. 2019 looks to be, you know, maybe another special class where they already have a handful of top 100 guys committed. So I, I, I think it's something to always keep your eye on because it is important because they're not going to win a lot of games if they don't get elite players at the high school level. So uh, it, it is good to see that they're putting a lot of emphasis on recruiting now, though, because it did seem like that went, that 
that went to the wayside, you know, towards the end of, of Stoops' tenure. So um, it's it's something to be excited about. There's that there's a lot of interest in the program, um, but man, when when we're in the fall, it's it's time to play football. And, and you know, a lot of the times my my brain doesn't really doesn't really focus on the recruiting aspect of of things. Let's just say that west of Everest, you and I are taking the Lincoln Riley approach to recruiting as far as this season goes is that we'll talk about it right now as we're talking about it for a few minutes here on the show during the bye week but after this bye week's over with I would be very surprised if you and I talked about recruiting at all as the rest of the season progresses so which is in turn that's Lincoln Riley will be 100% focused then on football on on the field the rest of the way uh after this bye week which of course is what I want the head coach to be focusing on is is winning games in the big 12 winning games and trying to win a national championship yeah you know unless they get a major commitment like like a five-star type commitment I'm sure we uh, we would comment on that Um, but until something like that happens I I think we're we're going to stick to what we know and that's the product on the field uh, with the Sooners so with OU being off this past week it was week five of college football this will be the point in the show where we'll I'll throw it out to you, Grant. I know you uh, we were talking about this a bit before we came on today, but you were lamenting the fact that the games this past week were not the best of games and that even next week and week six are even worse as far as matchups go. Do you have any thoughts uh, randomly about college football that you'd like to bring up before we put a close or put an ending to the show? Yeah, I mean, I just thought it was a pretty miserable week for for matchups. There just weren't a lot of really interesting games going on. Um, the ones that did seem interesting, um, really, just were not were not close games outside of that USC Washington State game on Friday night that a lot of people didn't even see because it didn't start until nine thirty Central Time. Um, gee, I can't even imagine being a USC or Washington State fan on the East Coast having to watch that game. That must have sucked. Um, but well, I mean, I, I mean, it no. was Friday, so in theory, a lot of people probably didn't have to go to work the next day so they could stay up maybe yep yeah and we you know i i think we did learn some things um in regards to last night the big game you know the the beat goes on and on with clemson i think they've they've obviously proven themselves to be um you know they won the national championship obviously but they've proven themselves to be a program that has staying power they're they're here to stay um you know they're on an alabama ohio state level in terms of uh, the consistency of their program they just they, they just bring in too many good players they had a very workmanlike performance against virginia tech last night where i don't necessarily think clemson played extremely well or anything but that game was never in doubt they controlled that game from um <laughs> i almost said tip off there but from kickoff um and, and other than that of course washington state being usc was was a big game um USC, I've, I've been talking about them all year about you know, a team that just hasn't really been impressive to me and really weren't actually, I, I wasn't really buying into the hype going to this season. Um, obviously, it always feels good to kind of be vindicated on that because I, um, and I, I think you and I, Thule, had talked about this before we came on, just about how, how bad of a season Sam Darnold is having. I mean, he's, I, I, I know I, I don't know if it, if it's gone to this level yet in the national media, but who who's going to be the first person that has the balls to say it? Sam Darnold's had a bad season, and he does not look good. Yeah, I don't know. We we haven't heard uh, at least we haven't heard like a big time college football analyst, uh, as far as I know, that have come out and just said, you know what, Sam Darnold doesn't look very good this year. And I mean, here are the numbers to back it up. I mean, through five games, he's got just a little little less than fourteen hundred yards passing. 
nine touchdown passes, eight interceptions, man, eight interceptions in a, in a day and age in college football when you have players like, if you're going to compare them, Baker Mayfield, who has zero interceptions uh, and 13 touchdown passes. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that the best best quarterback in college football right now is Baker Mayfield, and it's not even really that close. Anybody that wants to make an argument for Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen or Lamar Jackson being being better than Baker Mayfield, or, or I'm sorry, I, I should throw in Mason Rudolph as well. Uh, there's there's not much of an argument there. Uh, it just, I mean, especially considering that Mayfield's got got the the trump card, if you will, with that amazing performance in Columbus against a really good Ohio State team, which we saw once again on Saturday. Ohio State just absolutely drubbing. Uh, a lesser-known Big Ten team. I think what did they beat Rutgers by about a hundred points, and and Ohio State's yeah. gonna <laughs> Ohio State's gonna continue to do that because people are not not for whatever reason they're they're not giving Ohio State enough credit. But anyways, back to Darnold. Just from a, an X's and O's standpoint, a film study standpoint, what I've been watching. I mean, I've seen a lot of his tape so far this year, and a couple things stand out to me about Darnold that give me pause as far as what his readiness for the NFL. Number one, his arm strength doesn't look to be that great. He looks to have a, about an average to maybe at times above average arm, which for a person who's six foot four, two twenty, you would you would think it, he would have a, a you know a gun, a Matt Stafford, a Jay Cutler type arm as far as arm strength goes. So his arm strength has a lot to be left uh, to be desired. And two, it seems like he needs a lot of work with his with his footwork. It seems like he has happy feet a lot. He'll throw off his back foot when he, he doesn't really need to. And I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that I know they were missing some offensive linemen or at least their left tackle against Washington State and they're they're decimated up front. So maybe he doesn't have a whole lot of protection. But uh, it seems like he has happy feet in the pocket a lot, and that in turn makes it to where he throws off his back foot a lot, which could also be leading to his lack of arm strength. So those are a couple technical things that I've noticed from Darnold. And and sure, I have not been that impressed with this guy because coming into this year, I think I said on this podcast that I hadn't really watched him play a whole lot last season. I didn't see really any of that Rose Bowl game that everyone said was amazing when he played against Penn State. And so I was really excited to watch Sam Darnold play this season. And so far, there's only been a, a handful of plays really where, he, where he's jumped off the screen, and I've thought, man, that guy looks really, really good. But aside from that, I think, eh, I mean, he's he's okay. He's okay, but I I, I wouldn't think that he's like a, a top draft pick kind of guy right now. I I mean, I, I guess I, I'll let the experts talk where they are. I mean, I, I'm assuming most people still think that he's he's maybe the number one draft prospect. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just – he's turned the ball over way too much, and I – He's he's and, and let's not make a mistake about it. I mean, he he played really well in that Rose Bowl game, Lee. I've I've seen that entire game, and he was very good. He made some he made some ridiculous NFL throws into small windows, but I just hadn't seen it this year at all. And I, I don't know how much of it has to do with coaching. Um, I had said before we came on the podcast that I think everyone was heaping this praise on USC, and they forgot who their head coach was. Um, who, who nobody knows who Clay Helton is. There, there's a reason that nobody knows who he is. Um, this is his first head coaching job, and it's with you know a big program like USC. I think I think a lot of people put too much stock into that team without realizing who the head guy was in charge. And let's you know let's let's just be brutally honest about college football. The, who you have as a head coach is 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 the most important you know part of the of your program. And I. I just don't think people thought critically enough about where USC was at the head coach um, spot and their, their team. And, you know, you, you had mentioned too, Lee, that, you know, they, they haven't played really any bad teams yet. So is it possible that 
the you know the first five weeks of the season they've just played a bunch against the world beat a bunch against against a bunch of world beaters and once the schedule you know uh, loosens up a little bit they'll they'll be more impressive who knows of course one of those games you know was against Texas against their backup quarterback and they didn't look very impressive in that game either so um, I, I I'm still in a wait and see mode that's one of the weird things about college football is is I feel like you never really get a good grasp on a team until you know really until the middle of November you know until they've they've played a brunt of their schedule so. I, bottom line, as of right now, is that is that USC is is I think is just another team. There there may be a just 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 a solid top twenty five team, um, but you know going back to Darnold, if he's you know the unquestioned number one pick in the country, you you need a lot better you know from him than fifteen of twenty nine for one hundred and sixty four yards, no touchdowns, and a pick um, on a road in such a big game like that. Uh, you, you just need better than that. The other college football topic that I just wanted to talk about real quickly is more about going back to the very beginning of the show when I was talking about the Heisman Trophy. And Saquon Barkley had another good game this past week as Penn State took care of business against Indiana. And I'm just I'm kind of annoyed by all of this Saquon Barkley Heisman hype right now. And, and a lot of it was what I said. And I gave some reasons in, in the opening take. And, and that's not to say that Saquon Barkley is not good. Saquon Barkley is really good. He's the best running back in college football. I, I don't think there's, there's any doubt about that. But I think this is the perfect example of people being distracted by the shiny object while the more important thing is going on right in front of their face. And I got to go back to Baker Mayfield. I think he's been the best player in the country this season, and it's not even close. And not even Saquon Barkley is close. Uh, just based on how important that position is on the field, the quarterback, and again, going back to how well he played against Ohio State against a, a really good defense. And even in a game where he didn't, he admitted he didn't play that well against Tulane, he still had really, really awesome, nice stats. And even against Baylor, when Oklahoma played close with Baylor, Baker Mayfield played really well in that game. He, wasn't, he only threw the ball 19 times, but the offense was fine. It was the defense who had issues against Baylor. So I, I think it's just one of those things where Penn State hasn't really played anybody yet, and people aren't really acknowledging that. And Barkley's position is not as important as the quarterback position, obviously. And I, I will, though, acknowledge that Barkley, and I've been saying this all season, that Barkley is basically Penn State's offense. So I guess i got to give him some bonus points for that. But I just want to point out, Grant, that the next four games for Saquon Barkley and Penn State at Northwestern, Michigan, at Ohio State, at Michigan State. I'm just going to make a prediction right now. Saquon Barkley is not going to be the Heisman favorite in a month. Yeah, and Lee, I, I actually don't think, you know, actually once you see the uh, – were, were those odds that you quoted, were those the most up-to-date odds? It was the most up-to-date going into this past this past week. So the the, the odds after week five uh, have not been updated yet as far as I know. I think, I think that's going to change a little bit. Uh, Barkley didn't have a great game uh, yesterday against Indiana. 20 carries for 56 yards. Um, he did. He did have over 100 yards of total offense because he did have four catches for 51 yards, also. But well, he had that State, long. I mean, um, he, had, he. I think he opened the game with a kickoff return touchdown, and that's yep. that's a shiny object. People, oh wow. Yep. P Penn State had a had a. They they beat Indiana by 31 points yesterday, but it was a game that that wasn't. It wasn't necessarily as dominating as as you would think it is. I I still think Penn, and this is what I felt uh, throughout the entire second half of last year. Also, I I think Penn State is doing a lot of this with smoke and mirrors, um, and, and over the course of this run they've been on since the since the middle of last season, and they just really haven't played a lot of good teams. Um, 
and I, I'm still just so wishy-washy on Penn State. Lee, Penn State scored 45 points yesterday against Indiana, but they only had 370 yards of total offense. They just really feasted off of four Indiana turnovers. Um, Indiana lost four or lost three fumbles. That's just that's just rare. No matter you know, no matter how you toss it up. I, I, you mentioned the the really kind of brutal schedule for Penn State coming up here with those those four games. Would it really shock anyone if they lost two or three of those four games? I, I just don't really think it would shock that many. It, it wouldn't shock me. Well, here's the thing. I think it would shock a lot of people because for whatever reason, Penn State has all this hype. I mean, I and I, I know this isn't a scientific poll, but I see people putting out their top their top five, you know, a late Saturday night and having Penn State at number three ahead of Oklahoma. And just it's it's just it doesn't make any sense. And and like you said, 370 total yards against Indiana at home. Remember going back, Penn State only accumulated like 300 and like 20 or 314 yards at home against Pitt. And this yeah. is a team that used a kickoff return touchdown, a defensive touchdown against Indiana. Like like you said, smoke and mirrors. And you got to give credit to Penn State's defense. I think the defense is good. But again, they haven't seen a legitimate offense yet this entire year. I guess Indiana's offense is fine. But again, there was some lucky break. And I, I, that's not the right word. Penn State's defense was able to force them into, into four turnovers, which, you know, that that's that's a good good showing by the defense but but yeah I mean I'm just I'm so down I, I don't get the hype for Penn State I don't get it and you know they're and and if they if, if we are right about that then they'll they'll come they'll come crashing back down to earth soon with that brutal schedule coming up uh what, what was what, what's the upcoming schedule again Lee I I remember the teams but I can't remember the exact order can right. you say that for me again okay at Northwestern who just gave Wisconsin Wisconsin's toughest game this year which was annoying because I I laid the points with Wisconsin and they decided to actually play like the Badgers should be playing this year because that's not that's not really a very good football team. Uh, I mean, it's a top 10 team, sure. But as far as like a team that's, oh, maybe a playoff contender. No. Uh, so at, at Northwestern, then at home against Michigan, at Ohio State and then at Michigan State. And I think there's a I think there's a bye week in there somewhere. Yeah, there, there's got to be. So I, and yeah, I mean, that's that's a really difficult schedule coming up with. Um, I, I think they'll handle Northwestern. I just don't think Northwestern's that talented of a team. Would it surprise me if they struggled on the road in Evanston? No, but I, it also wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if they if they handled them pretty easily. It's those it's those back to back games against Michigan and Ohio State. That's brutal. I can't believe they got scheduled back to back to play those two. Who well, and then, and then the Michigan big, State yeah. after that? I mean, at Michigan State, Michigan State's all right. I mean, they've, State they've improved is, a lot this year. Michigan State looks like they're they're over, you know, last season. They're four and one this year. Their only loss was to Notre Dame, a Notre Dame team that we think actually might be pretty good. They um they, they only lost. Yeah, they to, might to be. I think I think I might have been wrong about Notre Dame. I didn't think they were very good, but yeah, I think Notre yeah. Dame might be all right. They they lost by one point to a Georgia team that looks like a bona fide top five team right now. So um you know, Michigan State is going to be a tough game for Penn State as well. you know, we'll see. we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about Penn State in October. Um, and you know, this is, this is their, this is the money time of their season. They got to put up or shut up. Um, I, I just, I, I'm still, I, I, th I think begin at, at, be, at the beginning of the season, I made kind of a, a weird prediction that I thought Penn state resembled more of a, more of a seven and five or eight and four team. Um, I, I still think it, it looks like they're probably going to be like a, like a nine and three type team, but I, I just, I, I just don't think they're a bona fide top five team. And, and when my, uh, when my top 10 comes out, um, later this week, you, you might see them in the top five just just because I don't have anyone else to put there. But I, I 
I still am, am just really wishy-washy on Penn State, and I probably will be until I see them, you know, go into Columbus and beat Ohio State, which I just I just don't see happening. All right, yeah, that's all I have, Grant. That's all I have as far as college, college football topics to talk about this week. So and, and, unless you have anything else that you want to touch on, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this baby up. I think that's it. They're just not not a whole lot happened yesterday. Um, Oklahoma State uh, had had a gritty kind of tough win on the road at, at, in Lubbock. That was about it. There was only one other Big 12 game yesterday, Kansas State and Baylor. It was kind of a ho-hum, just workman-like Kansas State win. Other than that, uh, Georgia blew out Tennessee. Georgia, as of right now, looks like a bona fide top five team. I still have questions about their offense, but, you know, we'll we'll have have questions answered about them, you know, in, in the coming weeks. Other than that, I think it just looks like status quo, status quo at this point in time. Alabama destroyed Ole Miss. Didn't surprise anybody. Um... We might have another, you know, another week like this coming up where there, there's just not a whole lot to talk about on the national level. All right. So that's it for this edition of West of Everest. We'll, of course, have a lot more Oklahoma stuff to talk about this Thursday as Grant and I break down what we expect to see from Saturday's game between the Sooners and Cyclones. Also, Grant and I will have our top 10, which is obviously the most fun anybody's ever had in a podcast ever that everyone waits for every single week. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.